0: So uh, we are live with Coach's Corner. Let's see if you're going to...
1: No. No, we're not going to do it loud this
0: time. Okay. Um, well, I'll, I'll do it for you. We live. We live. There we go. <laughs> um, so uh, we have, I'm going to say, Dr. Shelley Deserio. 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 I always mess your De last tessera. name. Deserio. No, everybody does. Okay. The see, first and that's what I did when I was talking to Santorne about it. I was like, I'm probably going to butcher it. I already know. Yeah,
2: it's um, it's funny because nobody said my my family still doesn't say it right. Um, so don't worry ooh. It. <laughs> they get it close. They get it close. So
0: um, she is the uh, athletic training education coordinator at Cal U of PA, which is a Division two school in we'll say mid well southwestern PA kind of. Um, yeah, just but,
2: but I mean, south of Pittsburgh.
0: Yeah. So um, I I was a GA in the weight room. Or weight room athletic training room uh during my master's there um i got to connect with her and really kind of pick her brain on uh the athletic training side which was actually um, i'm not sure if i ever told you this i was going to go to undergrad for athletic training before I think you me uh, that, yeah. before i got denied from springfield um and then i got put Ooh. into the exercise science program yeah and that's where i got pushed into exercise science
2: See, you always end up where you're supposed to be,
1: though. So, that is true. Um, I, <laughs> I think we all took the athletic training route, and then we was like, ah, uh, no.
0: <laughs> so, kind of go over um, your mission that, that you tackle, uh, like kind of some of the major issues you tackle within athletic training. Yeah. I know you're a lot in more of the higher up administration side, as well as the conferences and um, within the uh, PSAC, which is the conference that CalU plays in. Um, with all of their athletic trainers?
2: Yeah, so we um, we have an education program at CalU. Um, we used to have a graduate and undergraduate, and now the um, education, the entry level has moved from a, a bachelor's to master's, so all the programs are transitioning to, to master's only, so the setup's a little bit different than it was when you were there, mm-hmm. um, but really we're just, you know, overall, we just try to prepare these kids I call them kids but we try to prepare the students the kids um, to just be really successful young professionals in an ever-changing world and professions you know as healthcare care providers we have there's things that come out every week that we need to be aware of and I think one of the the things that I strive and others to teach them is that you don't graduate start your job and then call it a day on learning, you know, and, and same for your all fields, like things change all the time. And if you're not keeping up, if you're not reading the research, if you're not understanding new clinical approaches, um, you're going to be left in the dust. And more importantly, your patients that you're working with aren't going to get the health care that they should be getting. So uh, with our students, you know, that's really what we try to, to get across to them is just being really, um, really well-versed consumers of research and in and, and clinical practices, best clinical practices so that they can take that into the athletic training clinic and, and make sure they're providing the best care that they can. So um, on the administrative side, I am a department chair now, so-
1: Ooh, um, congratulations.
2: It's so much paperwork. <laughs> <laughs> I know why nobody wanted to do this because my gosh, all I do is type memos and paperwork. Um, but it's it's interesting to see the other side of higher ed and how it works you know as opposed to just working clinically with the athletic, with women's basketball and um, that I had at the time and, and teaching classes so that's exciting and then um, statewide I'm president for our state athletic training society mm-hmm. so that takes up a decent amount of time too but I love it because it I bring the kids into it as much as I can. So, you know, they hear things that are going on in the secondary school settings and not just the collegiate setting where maybe they're at, at the time or um, advocacy and, and things that we're doing in Harrisburg to lobby for better legislative reform for, for things that we're supporting and and things like that. So um, that would be, that's just a typical day. And, and Shelley's <laughs> think it sounds so um, simple. I know I just wake up and I have some coffee and
0: you know, send it to you. <laughs> So I know, um, even, even within the athletic trainer room, um, now it is, I can't remember the name of the physical therapy, the, uh, company that was in there. Um, it I, was PTI. Okay. It was yeah. a phys- it is known, uh, Pittsburgh uh, therapy Institute. Was that what it was? Or physical Physical. physical oh, therapy. Okay. Institute. Um, yeah. yeah. Now has it, has it been replaced?
2: It has. So, uh, it's, it's a no care.
0: Uh, oh, okay. Okay. Um, so they're still
2: there. It's just yeah. a different,
0: uh, provider. it's just a different company. Okay. Cause I know that wasn't, yeah. that was one big thing I never heard of. I've never seen. Like when I, that was Cal was yeah. my big introduction into collegiate athletics when it came to that.
2: Yeah. So we, um, so they don't see any of our athletes. They're, they're not able to, to treat any of our athletes um, because we are a unionized university and, and so athletic training is protected in the collective bargaining agreement. Um, they are able to, um, so they it, it's actually a great setup, to be honest with you. So we have shared athletic space or space in the athletic training room. Um, and they are uh, one of the requirements of our contract was that whoever the physical therapist is that's working there has to be an athletic trainer as well. So they have to be a, a PTAT. Uh, and we're able to we place a student with them to do some clinical hours as well but they have to be an AT for us to do that that's part of the contract. But they're there to service any university students, um, university faculty and staff, um, intercollegiate athlete or not intercollegiate intramural athletes. Um, We had some of the dancers or performing arts would come down um, because we don't have a athletic trainer we did for I don't think it was when you were there that we for a while we had a graduate assistant that would work with our performing arts um, and then that just kind of changed with the natural evolution of the program the degree changing uh, but they're still there they're still able to to take one of our students and um, I mean we're I mean you saw how it was like we're just one big happy guy. Yeah, and, I mean and that's, that's chilly I mean, days.
0: <laughs> 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 well even, even walking in there, like all the office doors, there's what four or five offices in there, uh mm-hmm. just out, just off the main floor, and all the doors were open ninety-nine percent of the time, unless yeah. there was a meeting or a call. I mean Exactly. And usually yeah. it was what like a thirty minute about a thirty minute window where the department chairs or the higher ups within athletic training would all meet. The, would have um, our meeting. Yeah, I would have like a
2: weekly meeting. Yeah, that was
0: about it. Everybody was talking, running around, and yeah, there were it's a great times, environment. There's plenty of times where um, uh, you you couldn't get a word in, and then there were times where it was dead, and you could answer, you could ask anything you wanted. because um, yeah. I know I used, um, I utilized the physical therapy side, and did when I was mm-hmm. actually considering PTOT school for my observation hours, yeah, which was wild to yeah. think I didn't have to go anywhere.
2: So- yeah, it was nice. We have some other students like from bio that come over, or mm-hmm. other um, majors that are, you know, trying to do the same thing, deciding if, if they want to go the PT route or OT or physician's assistant. And they'll do some time with um, with uh, Rob is who we have in there now. and He's awesome too. We get along, you know, we all just get along great. We all just share space and share ideas and thoughts. And
0: now did... Um- Michael McDonald leave, or is he still Myers? Oh, I, yeah, that's what it was. Myers,
2: you work with me, M- Mike, who was with men's basketball. I have
0: been out of it is a long time. Do not your boyfriend,
1: <laughs> it's been eight years. <laughs> like man. Calm down. From the <laughs> no, i would probably do the same thing. Would... <laughs> um,
2: he is not there anymore. No, no, my work husband left. He used to laugh because I. Yeah, men's basketball, I women's basketball, mm-hmm. so like we were, we were always on the same schedules. He actually lives in Sask- Saskatchewan, Canada. Oh my, now. okay, oh. Saskatchewan. Yeah, he moved up there. Uh, probably about four years ago. Mm. I want to say, Three, yeah, probably about four or five years ago. His wife is Canadian. Okay. Um, was. Canadian. and they had an opportunity that popped up for her to kind of go back and um they 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 bought the farm. Um but they literally bought the farm from oh. what I understand, oh, wow. there's like a farm family, family ranch, yeah, that um became available. So it was they, they moved up there for three kids and That's we awesome. still talk Facebook, social media text and, and call every once in a while and they're doing really well and he's really active in and um, EMS, emergency
1: medicine up there, and um,
0: fire, police and fire. And I know I was, um, so to get, I guess, more on the research side of it, um, when I was looking through some of the stuff that you've been doing and everything, especially on the um, website and and Mm -hmm. through some of the stuff you've kept up with and posted, um, I know one of the big things that I try and teach my female athletes is a lot of. Lower body health and just general fitness health, and yeah. uh, can you speak on the the the, the non-contact ACL research? <laughs> yeah,
2: that you're doing? I know it's still thing. It. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It um. So we know, and and this has just been for years now, and it hasn't really gotten much better. But uh, women, girls tend to have non-contact ACL injuries, meaning. They, get, they, they tear an ACL, partial or full tear without having uh, direct contact with something. So another player or an object or the ground. Um, and uh, about four to six times, some studies will say as high as eight, um, but on average, we usually quote around four to six times more than male athletes do. Um, and that is studied extensively. And one of the main, um, there's a lot of theories, there's a lot of things that contribute to it, but it is, it does have a bit, to do with lower body strength, lower extremity strength, mm-hmm. um, activating their hamstrings and their quads in the right, uh, uh, right way, or whichever one first, mm-hmm. and um, landing with deep knees. So mm-hmm. you know they're, they land with a stiffer knee and, and not as good of a nice flexion angle at their knee. And well, um, those also so... contribute along with other things at times. To, well,
0: and that's what that's why I'm. Um... I'll be honest, like you know, knock on wood, but I'm surprised that it doesn't happen more in volleyball than or more yeah, in volleyball than it does.
2: Yeah, and you know, so, so volleyball, women's soccer, um, handball, which we don't have, it's bigger in Europe. Mm-hmm. Team handball and uh, women. Did I see women's basketball? No, yeah. no, so Basketball, volleyball, and soccer really, are, and and team handball are the top sports. Um, we. I mean, yeah, knock on wood because Pete and Barbo have my head if something yeah. happens, but like we really haven't had many um, women's volleyball players there was, there was one
0: when I was there, that was it
2: yeah, um, and I think there maybe was one or two since then, but not a ton because um,
0: <laughs> yeah, it was, it was Abby Freud uh, who I think she she, she completely tore it and took a day or two and they ended up giving her a brace and she ended up playing the whole rest of the season without it yeah and that was a big thing
2: I remember that. yeah, yeah I remember.
1: because oh sorry go ahead no go ahead you're
2: good
1: no i was gonna ask because um from what you said like the research and stuff like that do you think mainly because i was just thinking volleyball and basketball because of the style of the sport is when it's constant jumping it's constant you know sit in a certain position however Mm -hmm. they practice that so much that when it becomes to a reaction time it doesn't really affect them as much as say like a soccer player things happen all the time that it can change at any moment sliding into a bag it can you know easily you know versus you know with them I'm just thinking because they just constantly doing jumping 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 all the time it just it just trains their body differently
2: it does, but it can also lead to fatigue, which can be an issue. Sure. So there's some that say fatigue's an issue. There's some that say they don't. Um, but it, it can be. It's really that that weakness in the quads and, um, you know, their hamstrings kind of not restraining like it should. And they get that valgus collapse. It's called, you know, like the knock knee look. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can sometimes just watch, you know, I would watch girls run sometimes and think, oh, gosh, it's only matter <laughs> I'm down on the ground with her. Um, but it, it, it really is a mix and a good, asses- like you all probably do assessments like an FMS or something like that uh-huh. at your clinics. So, I mean, a really good assessment um, usually can kind of elicit what those issues are going to be. You know, do they have valgus collapse? Do they have really weak quads compared to their hamstrings or, or vice versa? Um, and then uh, landing you see it a lot of rebounding in women's basketball. So a lot of times it would be rebounding or that sudden, it's usually like a sudden deceleration and, and change in direction with like a plant and foot and a pivot. Mm-hmm. See that in soccer as well. Cause you know, they'll mm-hmm. quick plant, try to go the other direction. Um, but it, it is a little bit of a mixture with some things that you see a lot more often, which is that deceleration and plant and pivot. Um, sometimes it's just really crappy luck. You know, you just, mm-hmm. you just get in Position at the at the right time, and, um, and then you're in
1: my room. <laughs> <laughs> Do you see in the future that, um, like, with all the research that's going on with athletic training? Because I remember, like, there was a big push. I want to say what 2011, 2012 with concussions. Then all of a sudden, practices started changing. Do you think there's going to mm-hmm. be eventually where there's going to be more research where people cannot get by with training? males exactly the same way they train females or yeah. do you think you know, so? have another ncaa movement and they're just like whatever
2: yeah right um so a couple of things it's funny so my dissertation looked at prepubescent kids and how they landed and, and what their you know flexion angles and, and strength and um because my thought was you know when, when you have kids so at the time my son was playing herd soccer as i call it right so six and under they just or they're watching the planes go over. Um, But they, it's always mixed gender teams. So, you know, my wheels started spinning and I'm like, the girls and the boys are being coached exactly the same. And there is research out there and I'm far from an expert in, and I can't even quote an author, but you know, it does show that there are times when girls are maybe not trained to be as aggressive or coached to be as aggressive or just coached to move in the same way as boys do. So I started thinking about it and I thought, you know, these young kids, if we just kept coaching them the exact same way, would they land deeper? Would they, you know, learn how to fire their quads a little faster and things like that. And we did find that at that prepubescent age, there was, there's no difference. So it happens. There's natural things are going to happen with puberty. You're going to have, you know, multiple different things diverting, um, but it's trainable. So the amount of injury prevention program research that is out there on lower extremity injury preventions that was a total circular sentence um it
1: it, It sounds very smart to me
2: (laughs) i can always tell when i do that in class because they're like what um so but there is there's a ton of injury prevention research that shows it works i mean 15 minutes a day now, some of what's not there is, is real strong evidence of how long it lasts if you quit. So, you know, it's always recommended to always insert it, but you can just insert that like a dynamic warm-up in anything that you do. So it's there. The problem is, and the buy-in is these coaches only have maybe, you know, two hours if it's a club team or, um hour and a half, you know, you're very limited with NCAA with your total amount of time you can spend a week and things like that. So it's sometimes hard to sell, hey, make sure you're doing this 15 to 20 minute injury prevention program if, you know, you want to save your kids' needs because they've got 7,000 other things they want to do in that amount of time, which we totally get. So um, there's been a few other studies then that have come out that showed that really when you present it as a performance program, Mm -hmm. so even though they injuries if in their mind parents and coaches think it's going to improve their students um, or uh, student athletes in, in performance then they're like game to to do it and they think like well, let's put it in it's only 15 minutes um and i'm just like i don't care what it takes like i'll you know if, i'll hand you free starbucks cards afterwards if you need that's what you need this 15 minute program <laughs> and, Like let's make it happen because you're gonna you know you're gonna keep your kids from potentially getting injured because the their research is really strong that they're successful if you continue to to do them and you know you do them right but really 15-20 minutes of a dynamic warm-up before a few practices it doesn't have to be every single one but three or four practices a week is very helpful in reducing injuries and I think a lot of times um, coaches I get the coaching mentality I mean I've worked with some amazing coaches over the years and I get it like you're a coach, you want to win. So like you're thinking about now and maybe, you know, the end of your championship season. And then next year, you worry about that next year. So I totally get that aspect. But with the parents, you know, you've got to think too, and the student athletes, like we're not just talking about seventh grade basketball here. We're talking about what's going to happen to you when you're 25 and just trying to be an active adult or you're 30 and you're chasing your kids. Granted, I know seventh graders not worried about when they are 30 and chasing some kids, but That's where you want to prevent it because, you know, those ACL injuries lead to some early osteoarthritis and some early other issues that really are going to affect them as adults down the line. Oh yeah.
0: So even, even with like coaching them the same way and the same Mm -hmm. kind of intensity, I mean, obviously you, you have to grade it uh, to their athletic ability and their skill or at least their like their um, motor control. But um, even with some of the girls that I've had in and San Juan seen, you know, I've told them, you know, the at least with volleyball, the girl the the, the female side of the sport is very technically sound mm-hmm. and the men's side of the sport is very powerful and very mm-hmm. fast. The thing I've been trying to push on them now is I want to train you like a male volleyball player, where mm. we're a lot more relaxed, but we get almost like violent when we move. And mm-hmm. we would try to explode into the air or when we try yeah. to make an athletic movement, but to still understand and be clean with how we move. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, we have a couple of girls right now that at an older age that we see that, that lack in coaching. And it's almost like we have to yeah. step back two, three years, completely clean everything out from the bottom and start all the way over. Oh. And yeah. the, the 16, 17-year-old is so difficult, and that's why people uh, – they, 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 they watch <laughs> those – Just in general. Yeah, well, they yeah. But you watch them at – they're like, oh, I want to play in college. And they say – they see these girls that are maybe only a couple years older than them. And like, I can do that. I can do that. And yeah. sit there and go, those girls were doing things at your age that you're having an issue with now. And yeah. you're getting it past that point. Yeah, you're getting past that point of – that brain development and that cns that's already starting to form and at least solidify with your motor control and you're like i don't think you realize me at 30 trying to learn a new skill is Mm -hmm. multiple times harder than what you trying to learn the same skill i could probably Mm -hmm. teach you that skill before i learn it cleanly right yeah and it's hard it's hard to get them in that mindset
2: Yeah. And it's hard. I mean, that's where the coaching comes in too, because really if you can capture them before they have those natural, pure old diversions that there's not much we can do about, but if you can capture them before that and even continue that coaching style all the way through, um, you're going to, you're going to, you know, change the way that they're moving um, a little bit. And, and part of the problem is um, I don't know if it's part of the problem because you know, when you go to some of those younger youth soccer leagues or, or games, the parents are coaching, which is awesome. They're doing it out of the, you know, their own heart. You need people there to coach. But a lot of times there's people like they don't, they've never even played soccer, let alone coached it. You know, you get the little, you get the handbook and they're studying it. and it's awesome because they're just trying to do what's right, but they might be actually starting to reinforce or teach some fundamentals that aren't necessarily the healthiest or the best. Mm-hmm. And even at that young age, I think it can can make a difference. I don't know what the answer is there because these people are volunteering their time and yeah. you know and say, well, okay, I need you to take this two day workshop, you know, to learn how to coach kids. Um, <laughs> I, I would say no. I'd be like, are you kidding? I'm just, you know, I'm here to help the kids. But um, if we can kind of capture some of that somehow, and I don't.
1: Yeah, it's a weird fine line where. I think we even do it as adults that we still try to teach kids the way we were taught, but mm-hmm. we can't do that. Too. But I also disagree with it on some ways because I blame society on the reasons why we have to, like you were talking about changing that intensity with female athletes. Like I remember in college uh, when I was a GA and I mostly had female sports and it was like, you know what? We like that you have the female sports because you don't treat them like the, you know, typical female. You make them actually work out. There's not like, Oh, we're just going to do some band stuff. We're going to, no, we're going to clean. We're going to squat because, you know, even my, yeah. swim, my swimming divers, they were like cleaning and squatting and they were like, why do we need to do this? I just need to be in the pool. And I'm like, well, you do this here. So it transfers into mm-hmm. the pool. And I was like, you know. Yeah. You got
2: to paint the picture.
1: Yeah. So and, it, it's. I have. It's, oh, go
2: ahead.
1: No, go ahead. Sorry. No, no. no I, I was sorry. done.
2: <laughs> at, at Cal, we're. Um beyond fortunate with the strength and conditioning staff that we have, because that is the mentality. You're an athlete, period. It doesn't matter if you're male, female, purple, you know, live in state. It does not matter. Um, You know, you're an athlete and they Uh train their athletes all the same. Um, Obviously with a little sports specificity to their, to the sport. But other than that, um, you're an athlete and y'all get trained the same. and You're all treated the same. And, um, I think that too is a huge part of why we don't see the same numbers. We see some, you know, injuries, ACL in our context, but we don't see the same numbers as other universities or even, even just the, the published norms. And that, that comes from the strength and conditioning and the cross training and the, the workouts that they do. So with, uh, I guess Bob, it's Bobby. Bobby was, well, obviously, yeah. Bobby was there when you were there.
0: Mm-hmm. I actually um, had him on here. Um Oh, ago. did you awesome? Yes. Yeah. So yeah. Big Bobby, big, a big thank you to Bobby because he's yeah. five four of pure insanity yeah. when it comes yeah. down to a lot of things. <laughs> Nicest man in the world. That's yeah, the one person you want in your corner. Yeah. But he will outwork you day in and day out. Um that he, was yeah. that was the one man that I found out what true power was when he out jumped me for a frisbee. Um, mm-hmm. And I was completely I extended. Just frisbee,
2: you guys. Yeah, yeah
0: playing. I think we were playing ultimate frisbee with <laughs> frisbee, yeah. volleyball and soccer, I believe is what it was, um, as their conditioning. Yeah. And I was I was more in my prime playing reach on like 10-6, and he <laughs> he got a full arm length almost ahead of me. Wow. Yeah. And, oh, the he's man! Never, the man's a, an animal.
2: He is. He's a former Mr pittsburgh mr pennsylvania I I mean, he's so.
0: yeah and he was also in the armed forces but, but, yeah. so it was and yeah. the
2: nicest guy yeah. ever and um yeah we just had and we had such a good relation you know athletic training strength and conditioning just had and we still do you know our our, our clinics are right across the hall from each other so it's you just that's always over awesome and, to hear
1: mm-hmm.
2: yeah you update them you know daily or he would check in if he had questions um and, and we would treat them and rehab them. And then when they were ready, you know, they just kind of went back to strength and conditioning and they would modify as needed until they could get up to speed with where the team was. Um, and I've been other places where like they're off to strength and conditioning and you're like, Oh God, fingers crossed. Um, <laughs> I hope don't will back here, but, um, but it was never, it's never like that there. It's like, you knew that they were just going to continue progressing and, and progressing well. So we're beyond fortunate. And I
0: know um, a one big thing uh, I noticed when I got down here, uh, and I found out more and more as I went on and got involved in the high school scene, was mm. the athletic training side of who was actually staffed at the schools, both mm. private and public. And it was it was huge because even down in like um, Green County, even with a small school like Jefferson Morgan, I mean Waynesburg is mm-hmm. a lot bigger, Waynesburg Central, but um, with a small school like Jefferson Morgan, they had an overcare staffed athletic trainer Mm
2: -hmm. and
0: to see that i was like oh this is normal cool love it and then got down here and we got to i got into the private school side and realized we don't have anybody and i started thinking this is this is an issue and i started getting treating started getting treated as the athletic trainer and i'm like no 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 that is that that is a lawsuit i do not want I appreciate
2: that
0: it. and um like we had a couple incidents and they're like coach come here come here come here and i go uh uh-uh. i'll help i'm not diagnosing anybody
2: yeah. but-
1: you also think that's like part of the area the the knowledge in this area though because yeah, when you yeah. think about it, when we look at say like certain schools that make it on ESPN, we're talking about just the high schools. Or private, there are a lot of private <laughs> schools, you know, say like in Virginia and stuff like that that oh, sure. that have these staffs. Mm-hmm. Do you, I, you know, it's almost like is it the education down here? Like people think it, these kids just only need to play that sport, and that's the only thing that's going to take them there versus putting the time yeah. and the money into you know uh, performance staff altogether, all the way around.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know statewide. I know, so I know with, um, in Pennsylvania, we have one of the highest saturations for athletic trainers in high schools. So we're at about, I want to say it's about 85% of, a, of of all of our high schools have access. Now access is the key word too, because some of these smaller districts might have an AT that moves around in between. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, uh it's, it's a state thing. It's dictated by state mandates. If there is one, you know, our state laws. Um and it is different. I think it is, it's definitely increasing across the board. It's like, I'm like trying to choose my words wisely, just because I don't want it to, um, it's, it's, it's a funding thing. It, it really is. It's a funding I mean, thing. And, you know, I've had athletic trainers call me that were losing their jobs and I mean, just the last year with the pandemic, and I'm sure in your field too. You know, we had ATs lose getting furloughed left and right um, because high school sports weren't happening, some collegiate sports weren't happening. Uh, You know, if it was an athletic trainer in the industrial setting, we had you know places closing down for a few months. Um, So this would you know pre-pandemic because that's a whole different beast. Um, but we would have athletic trainers call and say, you know, my job's online, They're thinking about getting rid of me because they can't afford it. Um, and here in Pennsylvania, we have some really large hospital systems that, uh, contract out to different secondary and collegiate schools. Those contracts are very affordable, very affordable for the value and worth that you're getting for that athletic trainer. And, um, you know, they're, they're just like, they just want to cut it. And I, I mean, I would have administrators call and say like, um, oh, do you know how expensive you people are? And I'm like, all, so who is you people? And, you know, secondly, <laughs> they call it a bad day. But, um, you know, and, and I think I'm, quick and I'm like, have you ever priced litigation? Because I'm fairly sure my hourly rate isn't about 250. You know, so I, I just, I, I get it. You know, I have a friend that used to say, pay me for what I know, not for what I do. Like, you don't want me to be busy. And I, I know that sounds ridiculous, yeah. but you, don't, you know, if the athletic trainer is busy, that means you got a slew of hurt athletes or whatever population you're working with. So um, it's usually funding. And I think part of what happens here in Pennsylvania is that we do have these larger hospital groups and we do have, honestly, a really strong state society that has gone out in the past and like you said, educated. So, you know, we have a, a committee within our secondary or within our state society that's secondary school athletic trainers. And they work really hard on educating different school districts, different school boards on the value. You know, they work closely with PIAA, um, the, the high school interscholastic um athletic league. And there's, we have a really good relationship there actually. So I think here in Pennsylvania, they get the value and worth. And sometimes it's a matter of funding, but I think in other states, it probably definitely um, definitely changes with where you're at and and quite honestly the people on the board who are making those decisions if they were an athlete and they had access to an athletic trainer and yeah. that usually changes their mind when they're making decisions for the district that they're in
0: I remember the whole push um, just following it through Facebook when uh, yeah. the pandemic hit and then all the sports were petitioning to the governor to yeah. um, all the officials yeah. and everything and You know, it's just, I know a lot of, a lot of parents, especially, you know, they're like, we want to see our kids play. And then, you know, the ripple effect of that is huge. And it's for both of our sides and top of all of the officials who are coming in and getting paid. You have support staff, you have, you know, in the worst case scenarios, obviously, um, Mm -hmm. EMS that might have to get Mm -hmm. called to something or uh, like football games and soccer games. Some, a lot of them at least from what I saw in Pennsylvania was they're already there. Yeah. Or or they're they're um basically on call waiting. So, mm-hmm. you know, we have down here I think one of the bigger high schools I could think of was um Wando High School and it said they had about four thousand students. So the the one I can think of close to that was North Allegheny. And we're mm-hmm. graduating seven seven, eight hundred kids, you know, uh, yeah, saw, you know, their their football scene where their stands are packed, something mm-hmm. like that, and you've got a full roster on both sides of the field. So yeah. to think, even remotely think that, oh, there might be a chance we don't have an AT. We might not yeah. have access immediately to EMS. You know, it's yeah. it's really scary, especially even when it yeah. comes to more of the um, higher cardiac output sports like cross country can be or track. Mm-hmm. um you know I've watched kids have more of a panic attack but still they think they have a cardiac issue or a respiratory yeah. Yeah. issue and you're mm-hmm. like okay well i know the channels you know someone has to know the channels yeah. to get them there but that's the scary part is what if it turned bad and we don't have yeah. you know we didn't pay for the three hours or two hours that we needed an at there
2: yeah. And at the end of the day, like, it's not like the coach or whoever's on the staff, they shouldn't have to be worrying about any of that because they've got other things to be worrying about, which is, you know, coach, coaching their team and trying to get a win. Um, it, uh, it did. And I think one of the things that is kind of behind the scenes, it's, it's emerging maybe a little bit more, but these, so I was a huge proponent for high school sports, never canceling. Um, for multiple reasons. I mean, I have a high school swimmer and uh, I see what he's like, and I, I know what my athletes used to be like when they couldn't be active. And the mental health aspect alone of staying active and staying in that sport um, was a reason enough for me to say the kids need to be playing, they need to be yes. active. Um, it was, you know, if you're cross country and tracking outside, this is a no brainer. This is easy to distance, this is easy to mask. There's no issues wearing masks during exercise. It does not compromise your oxygen. If anything, honestly, it's a performance enhancer because you're training those respiratory muscles a little bit more and, and that's it. But like there's no issues wearing masks. Um, so it. I pushed for it from just personally from the get-go. Um, collegiately, I mean, we, we canceled fall completely. The kids weren't even back on campus. Um, and we, uh, had a, like a modified winter and spring sports are full go, but now at the same time, our fall sports are actually practicing. So I, and I speak for our university, but I know a lot of other universities and, and secondary schools have been going. I mean, those athletic trainers, our, our people are working nonstop. Usually um, when because, you
1: spread out throughout the whole year, now you, yeah, you've all, all on time. Yeah, we've got 23
2: sports going on, on time. And, um, and they're also responsible for now the extra layers of COVID on it. So they're doing their COVID checks. They're screening these kids. They're doing telehealth when they had to. In the fall, we did do a lot of telehealth. Um, we now, you know, there's no more. The, the AT room was always a place to go before practicing games, right? Everybody hung out. You you got your therapy or your prehab and and you got some social time, um, so that's not happening anymore either this year. <laughs> um, you know, so now it's it's one rehab at a time, and we're making sure we're not overlapping everyone. We've got all four athletic training rooms going full tilt, and um, who was going to do that? You know, there, nobody, yeah. because there wasn't anybody there. Um, so, and and the same thing is happening in the secondary schools, I think. And again, I can only really speak for Pennsylvania, but it seems to be a national trend. Um, schools aren't the spreaders and sports don't seem to be the spreaders. There's some, of course, that are, you know, it's it's hard to wrestle with a mask, it's going to come off. So those kids really, it's hard for them to do that. So there's some sports where that mask has to come off and you do see some transmission, but if it's done right and you get buy-in from the kids and the parents and the coaches, it's the the benefits are far outweighing the risks, in my opinion.
0: And they Um, even had um, last year when everything hit, um the i know one at least the volleyball side they had AAU nationals in orlando um obviously they Mm -hmm. took tons of precautions but they had somewhere Mm -hmm. of thousands of athletes yeah they had thousands of athletes there and they didn't have any reported cases yeah and that's amazing
2: you know usually it's those mass events we're seeing um when there is some i shouldn't say I don't follow every state, you know, I kind of try to make sure I'm seeing what's going on here in Pennsylvania um, because the, because of Pats, but um, there have been some where you're seeing some transmission, but, and a lot of times too, that's when they're packed into arenas. you know, Texas, right? Anything goes, you don't need a mask, you can pack them in. Um, so you're seeing some transmissions there, but like when you're talking about like maybe a smaller event or a really well run following public health policies like large event like that you're you're pretty safe you know now now that you know people are being vaccinated athletic trainers and pa were 1a I mean, we were some of the first ones um uh, to get vaccinated we were you know we're under the state board of meds so we were we were right there with all the other healthcare practitioners getting vaccinated which was um awesome to see you know and i think our athletes felt better knowing that too when they're coming in and, and seeing people so um, if it's done right, it can be done. And it's it's definitely worth it when it comes to that. Um, to me, just the mental health alone for these kids is is what's really important. Um, those seniors, God, last spring, you know, who just like our women's basketball teams on the road, they were at, they were they just got into the tournament. I second round, I think it was in you know, the phone rang and they were like, get back on the bus. Y'all are done. I mean, we had seniors who that was it. That was their last game. It was going to be potentially their last game. So like the non-closure and I know people that don't play sports don't quite understand that, but when that's been your identity or something that you've identified with for the last, you know, maybe 18, 15, 18 years of your life to just say, get on the bus, you're done. That sticks with you, you know. So um, I must say, and that we we had some athletes struggle. We still have some athletes that struggle. Um, we have a, a really amazing group of clinical ATs now that you know we we do mental health screens regularly with our kids, and we're able to pull the ones that are showing some some concern and, and get them to the right. You know, we're not doing bad therapy, but yeah. we make sure we're getting. Referred to the right people that,
0: that need to help them out. And that was, that was going to be my next question was, you know, how are you guys handling a lot of those things? And what are your bigger screenings in way of like, not, not so much sitting them down and having them fill something out, but what are you Mm -hmm. watching for? Like, you know, I know a lot of times with my athletes, I try and find what is their routine like when they walk into the door? What is their routine like during their activity? And what is it like when they leave? And to see, you yeah. know, are they looking at their phone less or looking at the phone more? You know, are they doing the mm-hmm. same maneuvers over and over and over? I mean, what are you guys looking for when it comes down to, especially with everything that's happened?
2: Yeah, so they do do the regular um, paper pencil kind of screens, so mm-hmm. to speak. You know, some quick just an anxiety and depression screen. Um, we did that pre pandemic just to, to have some some outcomes and screens for our kids. Uh, you know, really, it's just behavior that you look at. Are they a little more quiet? You know, we get to know them so well, um, especially at cow, where we have our athletic trainers only working with a few sports. Even if you're in the secondary school, you know, you only I shouldn't say you only have, but sometimes you only have, you know, three, 400 athletes and you do get to know the ones that are coming in and seeing you pretty often. Um, so, you know, I could tell, you um, when the girls would walk through the door, if it had been a good day or a bad day, you know, you could just tell by the way they act, you can tell when they're kind of checked out, and when it's more than a day or two, you're able to pick up on that. But I think, <clears throat> you know, we're not trained to be experts in that area, but just kind of some of the, the recognition and, and referral, and um, a little bit might be gut instinct. And honestly, a lot of the times, um, the, the ATs are the ones that the student athletes go to and just say, you know, I'm fighting with so-and-so or I'm not getting the playing time I wanted and I'm stressed or, or, you know, I mean, I've had kids come to me and flat out say, I think I'm going to harm myself and I need help, you know, so they, there's a really strong, um, trust and bond there. Um, you know, I used to laugh and, uh, my son would come to work. He grew up in the AT room and and the girls would see him and he he would always tell people he had 12 big sisters, (laughs) 12 12 older sisters that look at me and I'm like, (laughs) they're not all mine Um, but uh again like they kind of are but they're you know I didn't birth them but um he he, oh that just took me down a different track um (laughs) so you could just you could tell and and you know we were very family oriented I think all of our sports seem to be that way and the student athletes just know that um and I think this honestly goes for most athletic training rooms across the country like that's their safe space. That's where they can let loose. You know, they knew that's when they could complain about playing time or an issue they had with the coach or, you know, their parents that they're having issues or whatever it was, it was kind of like almost anything went in my athletic training room. I knew almost, Um, but that was really, it was more because they, it was their safe space and they needed to be able to feel safe and comfortable because then that's when they knew that they could come when they had, some, some serious issues. And, um, I think it would surprise a lot of people. Well, you guys work with that population, but I think it would surprise a lot of people if they knew how many student athletes have some really, really serious things going on that you would never know.
0: I've been, I I don't know how much you've heard Juan, from some of the guys or some of the athletes you've worked with, but I mean, I've heard a lot more in the high school level than I ever even imagine way more there. these
1: some of these high school kids have more problems than i could even thought think of when i was in college Damn. i mean like you know most of them just you know just trying to get them to understand time management because everybody wants to go play in college and i'm like all right cool that's great but if you can't do the simple stuff now in high school what makes you think you can do it in college like, like oh i'll have somebody do my homework i was like that dream left before i got in college everybody was like oh yeah i had a ta that did my homework i didn't find a single ta to do my homework <laughs> yeah. either that or I wasn't that's lucky the, enough varsity blues. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the news. but I mean like yeah this is you know and like like you were saying like you know just the the mental side of it is big I mean it's it's so huge now because I even thought about I don't really want to go back to school but I I thought about doing sports psychology going back and getting my sports oh, me and
0: you both talked about it a couple times yeah
1: At first, it was just a joke, so people can call me doctor. I was like, I'm gonna get my PhD, but then now I really don't want to. Um, But, (laughs) um, but just because just trying to like, like I said, you know, things have changed, generations have changed. Uh, You try to talk to the athletes the way you, you know, you try to try to get down to their level, and just like you said, the training room. I remember the training room was like where we just unloaded about everything. Mm -hmm. You know, that was a place you went before practice. That was a place you complained after practice. before you went to study hall, but that's I mean it's crazy. Like just kids in high school just going through the same stuff and, you know, with COVID going on and some people just don't know how to transition. I mean, like I struggled with transition because you're you're like a robot when -hmm. you finish playing a college sport and you're like you're still trying to find something to be competitive at. Or your structure is gone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like go find a job now. I'm like, oh wait, what?
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean (laughs)
2: we expect you to transition from like being a college athlete or just college student even, you know, to a young professional, like overnight in, in a week. And it's just, that's not easy to start with, but when yeah. life throws what it did at you in the fall or last spring, I mean, that's a whole different story.
0: Yeah. I don't know. Um, we even had, and <laughs> John was there during, our, during our uh, club practice. Um, we had, I've got a fourteens team and They all seemed off, and I kind of we, me and the coaches kind of looked at them, and I said, "Hey, do you guys just want to have it like y'all just? We'll we'll sit down real quick and just have just just a just a chat session. We'll just talk, get all the crap out, and just have fun. Like yeah, and we talked to them only for a few minutes, and then we went. Now it's all of you that need to talk to each other, because there's gonna be stuff. One, I don't want you to tell me. Two. That I'm sure you don't want to talk to us about, regardless if it is a female or male coach. And I got up and walked away. And so the other coaches and Juan got me, he goes, uh, what did you do? (laughs) And I went, what do you mean? He goes, why are they all sitting there? And I see, he goes, are they in trouble? And I went, no, actually. (laughs) I said, they're all, they're all kind of of just talking to each other, getting all the crap out. They're having their, their, their Uh session. We're going to get up and keep practicing. And that was yeah. one of those things, you know, last year I started making it like a weekly thing, at least once a week, they'd sit and take 15 minutes and all complain about the stupid things that happened.
2: Yeah. It's a good idea. They, they, um, they don't talk to each other at all. No. Yeah. You know, I like my, my son will like text people that are bodies away from him at practice. And I'm like, they're right there. Like, what do you do? I had. Um, um, they just don't. Oh. No, they, they just they don't.
1: Yeah. It's
2: a lost conversation. Is a lost art with them.
1: Mm-hmm. I had four athletes in yesterday, all from the same school, three different sports. <laughs> Neither sport talked to each other. I'm like, y'all all go to the same school. you all around the same age you know you just, the two baseball players because obviously they played together they were talking to each other <laughs> one football player was by himself the one soccer player was by himself and i'm like y'all not talking to each other in the lunchroom y'all like y'all just y'all just bypass each other not even a head nod acknowledge y'all have the same school on <laughs> for one thing yeah. but it's it's a it's, shame yeah,
2: they just. We had, I just had this conversation in my class. I teach uh, uh, athletic health care for special populations, and uh, we're remote this Well, we're, we're, we're hybrid this year. So um, my class is face to face, but the kids, some of them have an option to come in remote if they need to. Um, so we probably have about, about half and half. And, and so there's about 10 kids sitting in the classroom, and I walk in, I get myself all set up, and I'm looking around, and every single one of them was looking at their phone scrolling, texting, I think a few were like TikToking potentially. And, you know, I just, I just sat there and stared at them until they finally realized, like, I think they felt my eyes on them. You know, they all kind of stopped at one point and like looked up at me, like, is she going to snap or what's happening? And I'm like, why aren't you guys talking to each other? I'm like, every single one of you is on your technology. And I'm like, you don't know who you're sitting next to. You don't know, like learn about them. I said, selfishly you might be sitting next to like the next bill gates you know or something like that and and you're gonna say oh i went to school with them but i, I remember i sat by him, but i never sent him a snapchat so we never talked um you know i'm like just put it down and have a conversation about what's you know life or you know how bad my jokes are in this class like i don't care what you talk about just put it down and I talk we and-
0: had Sancho and me and you had the i think the the right transition in college at the right time because it was right as the iphone and everything started to take over like the that advanced technology started to take over but when we walked in yeah. we all saw each other and we got to we just got to talking to people i don't know yeah. i think it was just more of a hey man what's going on you weren't here yesterday what's up you know and it was yeah. it wasn't one of those like oh well I, i've seen him every day but i don't really want to talk to him But you always – you always got to the point where if if there was someone in there you didn't talk to and you had a couple of your buddies around you, you would start talking about that person and figure out who that is.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you're
0: like, okay, well, I need to know. I need to know. I can't can't sit here and be quiet anymore because I've seen this person for two months and I still don't know their name.
1: Coastal did a good job with that as well. I mean like we – you know, at the beginning of the year, we would have like a one big sports day where all the, and I think you've probably seen these photos when you go into the field house. Um, mm-hmm. they used to get all the athletes and we'll be in the stadium and we'll have like a field day. And then we all took a picture with each other. Um, you know, mm-hmm. just so we, like you, you got to meet the new freshmen that was coming on campus. Obviously we met the football players cause we already been through practice with them already, but then all the new, uh, the new cheerleaders, the, uh, the new softball soccer uh you know tennis basketball what have you and then you know and you you obviously you're gonna have classes with these um guys and girls whatever so you might want to get on their good side maybe they know something more than you know you know maybe it's somebody you can cheat off of i'm not condoning cheating but i'm just saying (laughs) but maybe you know create that bond you know somehow or another you know besides just getting in trouble with you know type deal you know find find a good way and and like you said, yeah, that was before. I remember, like, very few people. I sound really old, but I very few people had iPhones. I didn't have an iPhone until I was like in grad school. I'll still I had carry a razor. My
0: iPod around listening to it. Yeah,
1: I had a that razor in the iPod. That sounds
0: so bad. I feel old now. The more and more, Antoine, the more and more we talk about this, especially in the gym, I feel old now.
1: Even though we're not. At the, all. Um, I went to go talk to some kids on Wednesday, and I was sitting there telling them about uh, you know physical health, you know, spiritual, mental, all this stuff stuff. And I'm going on and on. I'm I'm asking them questions and I was like, oh man, I might be showing my age. And the little girl's like, Yeah, you are old. I was like, <laughs> like wow. Well like, you kids are too honest. Thank you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh man. Right.
2: Um, yeah. so it
1: I know- is it's
2: a blessing oh. and a curse.
0: So I know we're coming up on time. Um, uh, I do want to say thank you because I know we've had we've we've had issues with I know um, with COVID everything going on, class <sighs> schooling everything. Um, thank you again because this has been you know helpful for, for both of us. Um, oh yeah, I uh, love this. Oh, I also had um, Pete. I'm gonna I don't know what it was about that training room, but the last names I could never get. All right, Pete, because
2: we
0: all have crazy. Yeah, it was uh, Pete Own. A-U-N-E.
2: Oh, Ani. Yeah, Ani. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. He, yeah.
0: He was at, uh, he was with the New Orleans Saints for yeah. think, a couple years and then was at uh, University of New Orleans. So, I yeah, mean, he stayed south. Yeah, I think he's yeah. working in the private sector south. now. Okay. I believe, or something close to it. So, yeah, I think
2: he, he got married a couple years ago. Yeah. I think he just got married. I think so. Yes. Yeah. I could be wrong. It, um, I used to feel youngish and then my students like started having, you know, getting married and having kids and then like the kids are in school and I'm looking at these pictures and I'm like, oh my gosh, like, they're, <laughs> class. Like, they're like, yeah, no, that was like 12 years ago. I'm like, oh God. <laughs> <laughs> like, all right, well.
0: <laughs> so, um, I just want to ask. You know, I, I appreciate it. Um, I just wanna ask for your biggest piece of advice for those athletes either looking to get into athletic training or kind of like you said, they go to the a t room for that kind of safe space or just to unload. what would you what would you tell them?
2: Um, I just go. Um, there is nothing that speaks more than going and meeting those people, asking questions and just showing, and interest. And, you know, I always say, um, to, to the students that I say to my son too and he rolls his eyes and I'm like, attention to detail, like just, you know, make sure you know their names. Send the thank you letter, um, you know, or the thank you email, I guess. Nobody really sends letters not and I'm probably the only ones that still writes handwritten thank you notes. But, um, you know, just going and meeting as many people as they possibly can. If it's if it's a high school student, you know, taking the science courses. Now that we're in a inter-level masters, um, the undergrad programs shifted a little bit, so it's it's a lot of science classes. But just being a good presence and um, for their own benefit, asking a lot of questions. You know, making sure that's what you want to do because that's a long, you know, five to six years of school. So that's not exactly what you want to do. You want to try to find that out earlier than later, but, um, and just being really proactive. And that's where the whole conversation, I think, came into play about talking, you know, like there, I think now we're seeing our kids just don't have that gumption and get go or initiative, like walk in and look me in the eye and have a conversation and ask me questions. They're just not sure how to do it. Um, but that really will go a long way.
0: Well, I appreciate it. If you just hang with us after after we finish, yeah. Um But to everybody else, thank you for for watching. Um, we'll same thing next Sunday. Uh, we have Ricky, Ricky Sapp. So uh, he a former Clemson linebacker and Texans linebacker. So fun dude to be around. Um, but we will have him on next week, and we'll see everybody later.